ഹമീദ്ലമ ഇസ്ലാം As we continue witnessing the bombardment, the massacre, the genocide, the holocaust, the complete annihilation of an entire nation, the complete removal, forced removal of an entire nation, and whatever other term you can call it, week in, week out, it is now almost over two months have passed, and the death toll has risen. rapidly over the 20000 mark it is just a number which we are seeing but it continues to rise every day and the hundreds of thousands that are displaced and without their homes and definitely all this causes a lot of pain a lot of heart a lot of harm a lot of difficulty in the heart of each and every one of us on the one hand it is our muslim brothers nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentions in the hadith that the believer is like one body the entire muslim ummah is like one body like how any part of your body feels any pain if a person's hand feels pain if a person's leg feels pain then the entire body suffers that pain and difficulty if a person has a headache then he does not separate that part from his body but the entire body now takes the day off or the entire body now goes to sleep because it is feeling the pain of one part of the body like that our muslim brothers and sisters that are suffering in palestine in gaza we feel that pain as though they are part of our body together with that that place that area which they are around it is such a mubarak such a blessed place the time and again allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the quran al majid refers to it as the blessed land in the ayat which i recited Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the mi'raj of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the part of the journey of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that was from Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa that part of the journey was known as Isra and Allah Taala thereafter references Masjid al-Aqsa as the area which we have blessed blessed many other amma sallallahu alaihi also Allah Taala had taken him to Masjid al-Aqsa after experiencing hardship and difficulty amongst them was ibrahim alayhi salam 
who had gone through so much of hardship and difficulty, and eventually his people decided, that burn Ibrahim salam and save our idols. So they had planned to burn Ibrahim salam. They built a very, very large fire. Such a large fire that if a bird were to fly over it, the bird would fall inside it. Such a large fire that if an animal walked past it, the animal would become roasted. They were unable to cast Ibrahim salam in that fire. So they made a catapult to hoist him into the fire. Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ We saved him, we saved Ibrahim alayhi salam. Lengthy incident, we are not going into the details. Similarly, Allah Ta'ala saved Nabi Lut alayhi salam from the atrocities of his people. They were a very, very immoral nation. Allah Ta'ala protected and saved Nabi Lut alayhi salam. فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّيْحَةُ مُصْبِحِينَ فَجَعَلْنَا عَالِيَهَا سَعْفِلَهَا وَأَمْتَرْنَا عَلِيْهِ حِجَارَةً مِنْ سِجِّينَ Allah Ta'ala destroyed the entire nation of Lut alayhi salam by lifting up that entire nation and turning it around and crushing it to the ground. After Allah Ta'ala saved Ibrahim alayhi salam and Lut alayhi salam, Allah Ta'ala thereafter mentions, وَنَجِّيْنَاهُ وَلُوطًا إِلَى الْأَرْضِ الَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهَا لِلْعَالَمِينَ That we saved them from the atrocities of their people and we took them to the blessed land. Similarly, when Allah Ta'ala talks about Nabi Sulaiman alayhi salam, Allah Ta'ala talks about the journeys and the travels of Sulaiman alayhi salam. Sulaiman alayhi salam made dua to Allah Ta'ala for three things. One dua that Sulaiman alayhi salam made, Rabbi habli mulkan la yambaghi li ahadim min ba'di, that oh my Allah bless me with such a kingdom, that after me nobody else will have such a kind of kingdom. And Allah Ta'ala accepted his duas. Nabi Sulaiman alayhi salam had such a vast, such a large, such a powerful kingdom, that not only did he have control over mankind, but, وَالشَّيَاطِينَ كُلَّ بَرْنَاءِ وَغَوَّاسِ Allah Ta'ala had given Sulaiman Islam control over the jinnat. The jinnat used to go and dive into the oceans and bring about the precious jewels. They used to construct buildings for Nabi Sulaiman Islam. Such large, strong buildings, many of which are still present today. The army of Sulaiman Islam, Allah talks about the army of Sulaiman Islam that he comprises of jinnat, comprises of mankind. It comprises of birds. Sulaiman al-Islam had such control that he could even hear the whispering of the ant. Allah Ta'ala talks about this also. Wadi Namal comes in the Quran, which is also in Palestine. So Allah Ta'ala blessed Sulaiman al-Islam with a very, very large kingdom. And one of the powers that Sulaiman al-Islam had, Wali Sulaiman riha shahrun wa shahr. Allah Ta'ala had given him control over the wind. What used to take an entire month's journey, Sulaiman al-Islam used to travel just in the morning with it. An entire month's journey in the evening should travel by means of the wind. And where he used to travel with that wind? Allah talks about the travels of Sulaiman salam. They should travel by means of the wind to the blessed land, the land of Masjid al-Aqsa, the land of Palestine. So time and again Allah SWT talks about the Mubarak, the blessed land in the Quran Majid. Second dua Sulaiman salam made, O oh Allah, when I'm passing judgment in any matter, that let me pass, pass judgment fairly. And the third dua that he made, and all these, these three duas he made, after he had constructed Masjid al-Aqsa, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, oh my Allah, whoever visits Masjid al-Aqsa solely for the purpose of the ibadat, then let that person return home completely forgiven like the day his mother had given birth to him. Nabi Karim sallallahu mentions, that Allah Ta'ala accepted the first two du'as of Nabi Sulaiman alayhi salam and we have hope 
that Allah Ta'ala accepted the third dua of Nabi Sulaiman alayhi salam. So Allah Ta'ala, after saving these Anbiya, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam, Allah Ta'ala took them to the blessed land. We find that Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi salam had gone through a lot of hardship and difficulty prior to Mi'raj. One was the boycott the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi had experienced. And it was such a difficult and hard boycott upon the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that three to four years that they were banished in the valley of Abu Talib. Hazrat Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas mentions that one night I was so hungry, I was walking in the valley of Abu Talib and I did not eat food for many days. I was so hungry, my foot fell upon some moisture. And not knowing what it was, I just felt the moisture and I put it into my mouth in the darkness of the night. And up till today, I do not know what I had consumed, but it was just to satisfy and satiate my hunger. Such hardship and difficulties that they experienced, the family of Rasulullah during these years of boycott. And even after that boycott, it came with its effects to very, very close companions of Rasulullah our beloved mother, Khadija al-Kubra, and the adopted father, the uncle of Rasulullah Abu Talib, who had not accepted Islam. They, these two close pillars of support for Nabi Akareem, they passed away. After that, Nabi Akareem went on the journey to Taif. And instead of the hospitality of the Arabs, he experienced the complete opposite. In such hardship and difficulties, Nabi Akareem experienced in Taif. Then many, many years later, Hazrat Aisha asked Rasulullah that which was the most difficult day in your life? And as Aisha felt that perhaps Nabi Akareem would talk about Uhud, the hardship and the difficulties that they experienced in Uhud, the losses that they experienced in Uhud. But Nabi Akareem mentions regarding this journey of Taif, where they stoned Nabi Akareem to such an extent that the Mubarak body of Rasulullah were flowing with blood, so much so that the Mubarak shoes of Rasulullah became clogged with blood. That was during this journey of Taif, Nabi Akareem also mentions this date was at Aisha, that it was the most difficult day in my life. So after all these years of difficulty and hardship, Allah Ta'ala took Nabi Akareem on a journey. And what a Mubarak and blessed journey from Masjid Al-Haram to Masjid Al-Aqsa and thereafter to the seven heavens close to the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala used Masjid Al-Aqsa as a place of comfort, as a place of solace for Anbiya after they had experienced the hardship and difficulties. We find that there are so many virtues Nabi Kareem mentioned regarding Masjid Al-Aqsa. Once Hazrat Maymuna radiallahu ta'ala asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa regarding Masjid Al-Aqsa, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned that if any one of you have the ability to visit it, you should visit it. But if you are unable to visit it, at least send some money to light up the lamps that are lighting Masjid Al-Aqsa. In one hadith, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that that person who performs salah in Masjid Al-Haram, he gets the reward of a hundred thousand more than Salah performed in the local masjid. That person who performs Salah in Masjid Nabawi, he gets the reward of thousand times more. And that person who performs Salah in Masjid Al-Aqsa, he gets the reward multiplied five hundred times more than Salah performed in his local masjid. In the Quran and Majid, there are only two masajid that are mentioned by name. Many other masjids reference in Maitu, like Masjid al uh, like uh, Masjid Al-Quba, Allah talks about it, Masjid Al-Ussisa, Al-Taqwa, other Masajid, Allah makes reference to it. But as far as the name of the Masjid coming in the Quran, there are only two Masjids whose name specifically comes in the Quran and Majid. One is Masjid Al-Haram and the other is Masjid Al-Aqsa. So this is a very, very close uh, part of Islam, close part of a deen, close, this Masjid has a very, very close attachment to deen. 
One Sahabi asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that which was the first masjid to be built upon the surface of the earth. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that it was Masjid al-Haram, the Kaaba in Makkah al-Mukarramah. He asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which was the second masjid. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that it was Masjid al-Aqsa. Thereafter he asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what is the time frame between Masjid al-Haram and Masjid al-Aqsa being constructed. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that it was a time period of only 40 years. So we find that Masjid al-Aqsa is part of our deen and part of Islam. From the very very beginning, from the time of Adam alayhi salam, Masjid al-Aqsa plays a role in our beliefs and plays a role in our deen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this Masjid al-Aqsa and unfortunately we find that in today's time it is not in our control. So what is our duties, our responsibility at this moment in time? Friends and elders, <coughs> Masjid al-Aqsa is a masjid and it has gained prominence on the one hand, it was because of the Mubarak journey of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that Masjid al-Aqsa has been given such a high prominence and status in Islam. And Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam went on this journey after years of difficulty and hardship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam on this comforting journey. And Allah ta'ala returned Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with a gift on this journey. And what was the gift that Allah ta'ala had given him? This gift that Allah Ta'ala had given Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on this Mubarak journey is a gift for humanity to come till the day of Qiyamah. For each and each ummati of this ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to utilize and take benefit of this gift. And what is this gift? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sta'inu bisabri wa salah. That whatever hardship you go through, whatever difficulty you go through, whatever calamity you go through, Allah Ta'ala has given us a tool of gaining from the rahmat and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Firstly, with patience. Ulama mentioned patience, sabr comes with three meanings. On the one hand, you make sabr in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, despite your nafs telling you to do something else, despite your heart telling you that don't do this, don't do this, do that, do something which is wrong. But you make sabr and you persevere and you... Keep yourself in the ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like at the time of Fajr, and especially now in summer when Fajr is so early, that temptation comes about now, when that azan is, is being called out, that hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-falah, that come to success, your success, my success, the success of the entire ummah lies in salah, come to salah. Now that temptation, that nafs comes about, that no delay, delay, read it later, or read it at home, musa the salah with jamaat. Now you make sabr and you bring the obedience of Allah subhanahu into your life. And you fight your nafs. And you go for fajr salah with jamaat. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that man salla subha fi jama'atin fahuwa fi dhimmatillah. That that person who performs salatul fajr with jamaat, he is in the care, he is in the responsibility of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is in the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the first type of sabr that we make. That we fight our nafs and go out into the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And secondly, friends and elders, a person, sometimes the temptation comes about to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to break the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But perhaps the opportunity comes, or some moment comes for him to engage in some sort of haram. Perhaps he sees more profit in engaging in a haram dealing. Or perhaps some haram 
attraction is placed in front of him. But he turns away from that haram attraction. Why? He makes sabr. He fights his nafs solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thirdly, friends and elders, whatever hardship afflicts him, whatever difficulty afflicts him, and we find that the Muslims of Gaza, they have this quality in them, that no matter what type of difficulty, what type of hardship, Allah ta'ala thereafter explains in the next ayat, الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ That whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, whatever calamity afflicts them, they say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ حَسْبُنَ اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلِ That it was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Conditions come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Halal come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is our responsibility, friends and elders, that to bring about five times daily salah with jamaat in the masjid, this was the gift from on the Mi'raj, the journey of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, ulama mentioned that after these years of hardship and difficulty that Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam had endured, Allah had given him this gift as a sort of projection and comfort. And it's also our gift that we experience these hardship and difficulties in our life to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And friends and elders, our life in this world is a test. You will be tested. In the next ayat, Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ That you will be tested. And those that Allah Ta'ala loves more, Allah Ta'ala tests them more. Our life in this world is temporary, it is a passing phase. We will go through hardship, we will go through difficulty, we will go through tests. And some Allah Ta'ala tests them more than others. And we make dua to Allah Ta'ala also, that Allah do not put us through difficulties and hardship more than what we can bear. Allah must not test us in such a way that we cannot bear. We're looking at them suffering and the difficulties and the hardship that they're experiencing. And we must take lesson from it also, that once upon a time, they were a very, very prosperous country. They were a very, very fruitful country. They enjoyed more ni'mas and bounties that we are enjoying. And now look at how conditions and halal change. Allah Ta'ala can change condition at any time. So take lesson from it also. Allah must not put us through the test that Allah SWT is putting them to. Friends and elders, and when we witness all this also, if we experience the difficulty, we experience the hardship, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us ways of seeking from the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one very, very important aspect, friends and elders, if you want the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to stay away from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many a times we find it, and even today we are finding this, that in our enthusiasm and in our eagerness, to perhaps create awareness about the atrocities that are taking place in our eagerness of showing the difficulties and hardship we wish to do many many things and we are encouraged to do whatever we can do within the bounds of sharia within the laws of sharia but we cannot transgress the bounds of sharia we want the help of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let us not break the laws of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in seeking the assistance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we want to create awareness. Let us create awareness of the goodness of Islam. Let us create awareness of the goodness of deen. Let us create awareness of the akhlaq and the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Display this to the non-believers. The Sahaba also came to Africa. And when they came to Africa, they went amongst the people. And what did they tell the people? Kunu mithlana. Become like us. And each and every one of them became a living example of the perfect way of practicing Islam and deen. And this is what we also have to do. That let us not display in our eagerness and in our enthusiasm of creating awareness, create a bad impression or create a, a cast Islam in a bad light. But bring about the akhlaq and the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and friends and elders as the death toll rises. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also comforts us in the Quran and Majid. That how do we comfort ourselves when we witness these hardship and difficulties taking place? When the Sahaba suffered, suffered losses in Uhud, Allah ta'ala 
those those shuhada that passed away, they wanted to pass a message to their families of the enjoyment that they are experiencing. So Allah Ta'ala in the Quran Majid mentions regarding the position of those that had given their life for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala mentions Wala Tahsabanladina Kutilu Fi Sabiri Lahi Amwata Bal Ahya Unda Rabbihim Yurzakun that do not consider those do not consider those that had given their life in the part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be dead. Rather they are alive by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enjoying the bounties and the ni'mat in Jannah. In one hadith, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that the shaheed, the martyr, his soul is taken up into Jannah and it is placed in a green bird. And this green bird is suspended beneath a lantern which is hanging from the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thereafter this green bird now is given permission to roam freely about Jannah and it enjoys all the bounties of Jannah, the rivers of Jannah, the food of Jannah, all the bounties and the ni'mas of Jannah. And thereafter it returns back to the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala addresses the martyr and Allah ta'ala asks the martyr that do you require anything more? The martyr will reply, oh my Allah, I'm enjoying everything, what more can I ask for? Second time Allah poses the question. Second time the shaheed will answer, oh my Allah, I'm enjoying everything of Jannah, what more can I ask for? Third time Allah poses the question, O martyr, O shaheed, O the one who had given his life for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is there anything you require more? Third time the reply will be given, I'm enjoying all the bounties of Jannah, I'm roaming freely in Jannah, what more can I ask for? The question will be asked again, and the reply will be given, yes, have one request. What is the request of the shaheed? What is the request of the martyr? Oh may Allah, return me back to this world. Return me back to this world, why? I enjoyed such ecstasy in giving my life for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that I become a shaheed again and give my life and become a martyr once again for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such is the rank, such is the honor, such is the status and the maqam of giving your life for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in one hadith mentioned that a martyr will come on the day of Qiyamah in that condition that he was made shaheed. Some with their limbs cut off, hands cut off, feet cut off. Some of them their entire bodies have been dispersed and mutilated. The color will be like the color of blood. But the smell that is emanating will be like the smell of musk. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that those that have passed on, Allah ta'ala give them the highest maqam, the highest rank and give them the highest status in Jannah. Those that have been displaced, those who are going through difficulty and hardship, we make dua to Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala change their condition and Allah ta'ala restores Masjid al-Aqsa and hands it back to the hands of the believers and we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if he died is meant for the disbelievers may Allah give them he died but if he died is not meant for them then we make dua to Allah Ta'ala that may Allah destroy them and remove them from the surface of the earth like how Allah Ta'ala destroyed the nations of the past wa akhiru dawana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen